I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why FT readers love investment clubs. Every investor worries about market volatility, but FT readers have been telling us how they hope to profit from it by meeting up regularly with a group of like-minded friends to collectively pick the shares they think will beat the market. So is the wisdom of a small but carefully selected crowd the way forward? On today's podcast, our money mentor columnist Lindsay Cook, herself a member of an investment club, will tell us how to set one up, how the clubs work and what you've been telling us about your own experiences. Plus, could banks be doing more to spot patterns of financial behaviour that could indicate customers have a mental health problem? And why the wealthy are getting married in secret? Charles Culkin, financial planner at James Hambro and Partners, is here to spill the beans. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. In the UK, there are thousands of investment clubs, official membership bodies with share trading accounts whose members invest together and crucially meet up every month to chew the fat about what they should be investing in. Lindsay Cook, our money mentor columnist, has been a member of an investment club called The Stockpot in West Sussex for the past decade. And she's been hearing loads of tips from other FT money readers who see the benefits in pooling their ideas as well as their cash. Welcome, Lindsay. Good morning. So, well, let's start by hearing a bit more about your investment club, The Stockpot, as this is what inspired me to commission the piece. Well, it was founded in 2000 um, by a group of friends who belong to a women's dining club. And um, it meets every month at a pub and we pay £50 in subs, which goes towards buying shares. And we discuss new shares every month and the ones we hold and we make a decision on each share as to whether we want to keep holding it um, and then at the end of the meeting or the second half of the meeting someone proposes a new share that we should we may be interested in and they do a formal presentation about its PE, about um, its market cap, its its competitors in the market and why that sector is one that we ought to be looking at at that particular point. So some people might be listening to this and say, well, it's not the kind of thing that I'd like to discuss over dinner. But all too often, the things that we're discussing um, on The Money Show are how money and investment are topics that that, that simply aren't um, spoken about. So a great forum, as many of our readers agreed, to test out um, and learn about investing ideas. But although anyone can meet up and uh, discuss investing informally, having the structure of a formal club um, really gives it the edge. But tell us more about that. Well, you need rules. You need to know um, what a quorum is. Is it um, 
more than half of the members have to vote on the purchase of a share or the sale of a share. Uh, you need to have a an account with a broker and you need a bank account. Um, and when you join the broker, they need details of all the members so that it's all done properly and we're not more money laundering. Um, <laughs> you also need to have decisions on um, how new people will come to the uh, group if if people, if at times, 20 years, you find that maybe somebody moves to another part of the country, you want to get your mum- numbers back up, how you do it. Do you go, do you pick from a group of your friends, then with us, we have an informal meeting. Two members goes and visits them in their home or in a pub, and then they come and they take part in a meeting, but they don't vote on anything. And when they've gone, we vote on whether we think they'll add value. So the strategy for investors who are meeting up and investing through a club structure is likely to be different from how we invest our own portfolios, because for example, if you're not discussing high conviction trading ideas that giving people something to vote on and investing in defensive trackers, then there won't really be much to discuss. Yes, you've got to keep watching the markets for opportunities, look for shares with potential. In our club, it's we like to think they're going to make at least 20%. Uh, we have got a couple that are solid dividend shares, but one of those has given us something like a 10% increase. So that's a bonus. Um, and um, you look at it and you're not looking for like a pension fund where you want to hold it five years because then you'll never have, after about three meetings, you've got no shares or money to deal with. So you need to have a bit of turnover uh, and you need to be brave about selling because the person who's nominated a share really believes in it and then it slides a bit and everybody else is saying, well, why shouldn't we get rid of it? And the champion really tries to defend it and boy do we watch it when our share we've chosen is sold and then it rises about two months later happened to me recently yes i think we, we were talking about that before before the, the, the podcast with, with with asos which is just one of those aim shares which um is, is very volatile but timing in the markets obviously is everything now what i love about your article is that you've heard from so many money readers who emailed in um following our plea about a month ago um to tell us about the clubs that they had set up and i think my, my favorite one is dr kevin brown um who founded the pebble ridge investment club in westwood ho um in devon which meets monthly in a bar with panoramic sea views um, and has been going for 20 years now the original members um came from two different medical practices and decided to meet up to discuss investing because they'd been awarded some free Norwich Union shares, but then ended up um, formalising a club. Now, like many of these um, clubs going into the more exciting um, ideas, he says, after a lot of early mistakes, we discovered we have a conservative wing who only like investing in top FTSE 100 companies and a risk-taking wing who are only interested in shares that have been on the AIM market for the last 10 minutes. (laughs) I bet they have some very interesting meetings. Yes, uh, well, certainly. And um, of, of all the investors that you spoke to, um, who, which clubs stood out in your mind? Well, I think the Blue Chip Stockings. Um, great name. <laughs> yeah, great name. Uh, they work in London. They are all women. And um, they haven't invested quite so much in the last couple of years because they've feel they've probably been held back a bit by nervousness about Brexit. Is it Brexit proof? But their best performing share um, they hit upon, which was Rentacle, because one of their members said, 
We're spending a lot of money with Rent-A-Kill at the moment. They must be doing well. And they made 240% profit on that share while I held it. Wow. I mean, and that was that was the way in. Well, lots of the clubs that we spoke to said that they liked the fact that their members came from very diverse professional backgrounds. Some have even tried to recruit younger members um, or people with slightly different um, investing ideas um, to them to keep things interesting. Um, also, David Streder, um, who has written some columns in the FT before as a private investor and is also director of ShareSock. Um, his investment club, the Charlie Ducks, as you may imagine, is uber competitive. Now, they've got 16 members who divide into four teams and at each monthly meeting, the four teams will each make um, a presentation um, on a share and uh, the other 12 members will then pitch in as Cassandra's and say, oh, what about this and what about that? And he said, you know, everyone brings their iPad to the dinner so that they can research um, company information live at the meeting, which I thought sounded a real hoot. Our meetings are at lunchtimes, but everybody has their iPad there. Yes. And this is what investing is like in the the 21st century. But you say in your article that investment clubs, obviously, they have a lot of fun picking the shares that they want to buy. But the problem for most is deciding on the shares that they want to sell and when. The hardest lesson is to sell underperforming shares because if they've fallen 50%, it's going to be a very rare share that bounces back up. Uh, One of the um, women who um, set up a fund, uh, a a club, in 2011, she sold most of the shares that they'd built up. Um, And again, three months ago, uh, they took profits on the best performing shares not selling up totally because they realised that by selling up a lot in 2011, it took a long time to come back. Whereas if you're careful with the bigger performing, uh, better performing shares, you, you probably will be okay coming back in. And lots of clubs have told us that because of the limitations of having a monthly meeting where decisions are voted through, having a stop loss system where if a share falls by a certain amount, it will automatically be sold uh, by your trading platform can save your shirt. It can save a great deal of money um, because the way markets have been, volatile markets recently have um, caused problems. And you can't always get hold of all the members because they're busy people. And if you need a quorum to sell something, um, you can have missed your opportunity. You're better allowing a stop loss. Now, finally, to end on a positive note, um, lots of investment clubs don't appear to make huge amounts of um, profits for their members because people are only really paying in small amounts. But then that's um, not to stop people from investing um, in those tips within their own personal uh, portfolios, for example, within a SIP or within an ISA to maximise the tax benefits. But one of the things I really enjoyed reading about is how different clubs decide um, to spend the profits. Yes, um, we have um, the wine that's our Christmas dinner. That's provided by the dividends. Uh, One club that I came across, um, they had a trip to Poland four days last year and part of the cost of that uh, were covered by um, their profits. Another um, trip this year is to, I think, Malaga. Uh, People like to enjoy themselves, but a lot of of the the, um, dinners at Christmas time are funded. And golf days as well is something that's very popular. Well, I wonder what they'll be talking about on those holidays, at those dinners or on the golf club. Um, 
investing, no doubt. Well, thank you very much there to Lindsay Cook. You can read her cover feature for FT Money this week, which is online from Friday at ft.com slash money or the money section of this Saturday's weekend newspaper. If you like the idea of coming together to discuss money matters with like-minded individuals, then you may be interested to hear of our next reader event. Camilla Cavendish, the FT columnist, is going to be our star turn, um, our reader event in November, to be held in the City of London. The former head of the Number 10 Policy Unit will be talking about her recent book, Extra Time, 10 Lessons for an Ageing World. And we'll be joined by Josephine Cumbo, the FT's multi-award winning pensions correspondent, and Michael Martin, private client manager at our sponsor, Seven Investment Management, to discuss the next dimension for our pensions. If you would like to find out more information and buy a ticket, which costs £35, including canapes and a glass of wine, too, if you're quick, then go to our dedicated website, live.ft.com slash money investment to buy tickets and read full terms and conditions. Should banks track our personal data to prevent us from falling into serious debt problems? That is a question that was posed this week by the Money and Mental Health Institute, a charity that campaigns to raise awareness of mental health issues in everyday life. Katie Alpin, its Head of Research and Policy, joins me now in the studio. Welcome, Katie. Hello, Claire. So what has your research this week found? So this project came about because members of Money and Mental Health's research community, which is a group of 5,000 people with lived experience mental health problems who feed into our research all the time, kept asking, you know, when I was really unwell or when I was experiencing those financial difficulties, my bank must have known. And why didn't they do something? And so what we really did was went and set out to work out why was this the case? What more could banks do practically? And what were some of the concerns people had? So we've really tested the appetite for banks to be using the transactions data that we all generate when we use our debit cards, the information about our income that they hold to offer customers timely support when they see signs that things might start to go wrong. And what could some of those signs be? Two of the things we look at in the report are uh, someone's income falling substantially. So say if someone needs to take some time off work because they're unwell or because they're made redundant, or if someone is very persistently using their overdraft, might be a sign that there are debt problems elsewhere and they're using that to make other bills get get paid. And why is it important for banks to be aware um, of issues that customers might be having? This actually came partly out of some work we did last year around the links between suicide and problem debt. Um, we analysed a big national data set and found that, sadly, in England alone, 100,000 people a year attempt to take their own lives while in problem debt. We know when we talk to people who've had those experiences and, and happily lived through them that often part of the problem is not talking about the debt issues. And in some cases... Your bank or building society might be the only organisation that knows how serious your financial situation is. We hear too often at Money and Mental Health from people who have struggled with financial difficulties and with both the mental health impacts of that or how their mental health is making managing money harder completely alone. And there is help out there. So it's really important that we look at the different ways that banks and building societies could do more to get people help they need when they need it. And what's been the response to your research, which came out a couple of days ago, from the banking world. I mean, to play devil's advocate slightly, you know, many readers on the FT Money um, story have said, well, if customers with mental health problems can ignore, you know, their postal statements, they could also ignore any text prompts or, or emails that the bank might send. They may not want to engage. Absolutely. Working out 
how we make these kind of messages effective is a really big part of this conversation. And this isn't going to solve every problem. But what we do hear through the research is there's enormous customer appetite for this. Half of people across the UK say that they think the advantages of this outweigh the risks. And so although some messages might go ignored, we know that some will get through, particularly if they're well designed with people's needs in mind and co-designed with people. We let people have choice and control over what those messages look like. Some of them will get through and those could help enormously. Well, thanks very much there to Katie Alpin, Head of Research at Money and Mental Health. If you'd like to read more about that story, there's lots about it in FT Money this weekend. It used to be that couples were embarrassed to live together unmarried, but today a growing number of couples harbour a deeper secret. They are furtively married without telling anyone. My next guest, Charles Kalkin, is a financial planner with wealth management firm James Hambro and Partners. He's noticed a growing trend among his well-heeled clients to get hitched on the QT for a variety of money-saving reasons. Welcome, Charles. Thank you, Claire. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we get on to the secrecy issue, the biggest issue for even moderately wealthy couples who live together as opposed to being married or in a civil partnership is what could happen to their wealth after they die. Yes, I, I think the first myth to dispel is that of common law marriage. Um, there is no such thing in law. Important to remember that. Um, only couples who are married or in civil partnerships benefit from the rules under inheritance tax, the tax that we all pay on death. And just to remind us, of that, if you're married or in a civil partnership, um, there is an interspouse exemption. So assets can go from one to the other without any tax at all. Otherwise, um, it's the nil rate band, £325,000. And after that, tax is uh, levied at 40%. So a real difference. Um, you also avoid any uh, problem in terms of delay. Another point that you make in your article is that if you or somebody who has um, split up from a partner and met another partner, um, you may have left your financial arrangements um, to favour your previous partner unless you go back and make that change. That's absolutely right. Um, I had a client who who came to me having lived with her partner for some years. Um, he sadly died uh, prematurely and she found out that after his previous marriage, uh, his will hadn't been revoked and was still valid. So on his death, the assets went to the first wife. Um, she was left with a dog. <laughs> yes, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, um, an alarming story. But although it's sensible, but not very romantic to get married for tax reasons. This still doesn't explain why so many of your clients are doing so in secret. I think that's right. Um, for many, they just haven't got round to it. Um, they've been together for some time and have seen no reason. Um, there is the bother, there is the expense and uh, making the public show. I, I think too, uh, clients with a different background in terms of religion can be difficult. Uh, which family do you satisfy? I've had clients to where the parents have been divorced and the idea of putting them in the same room just isn't palatable. Uh, sadly, even in 2019, uh, same-sex partners uh, prefer not to bring that into the eye of their family. Uh, it can still cause a lot of difficulty. Also, um, if there are adult children from earlier marriages, um, they might have a view and uh, that too can cause conflict. Now, you say in your article that if you are... Um, going to marry in secret in order not to upset adult children who may, you know, 
be worried about what will happen to their inheritance if mum or dad marry someone else. You will have to draft your will very carefully to avoid future problems. I think that's right. Uh, will drafting is such an important point. There are a few really important documents that we make in our lives and the will is one of them. Um, we'd always suggest that they're reviewed regularly, uh, deal with a good solicitor, not something to cut costs on. But, but yes, very important to say what you want to happen um, when you're dead. It's too late. And there are also financial benefits of um, marrying while you are still alive, of course, as you point out. There are indeed. Um, one of them, uh, capital gains tax. Uh, if we give assets to someone who isn't a spouse or civil partner, that's deemed to be a disposal for tax. So the difference between what you acquired for and what you sell for is is crystallised and capital gains tax becomes payable. Uh, Happily, if a married couple or civil partner pass assets to each other, then the partner receives those assets at the acquisition cost of the the donor. That tax isn't triggered. That means that each can use their own capital gains tax allowance, currently £12,000, and it gives the facility to use other allowances as well. The the annual dividend allowance, you can double up on ISA allowances. So um, very useful to have that facility um, for... Uh, lower earning families, uh, there is the marriage allowance and um, of the personal allowance, £1,250 can be passed from one partner to another, which can be a tax saving of £250, so worthwhile, um, but within um, the limits that the revenue give. Well, thanks very much there to Charles Calkin, financial planner at James Hamburg Partners. If you would like to read um, Charles's column, Why the Wealthy Are Getting Married in Secret, you can do so now online at ft.com slash money. That's it for The Money Show this week. If you would like to get in touch with me or our team of experts, you can email us, money at ft.com, or follow us on Twitter for the latest news updates. Our handle is at ftmoney. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.